Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and across from me, actually physically this time, is your co-host, Ben. So, Ben, what is new in your nations this week? Yeah, Brian, where it's, well, it's good to be back in person for sure. And I'm, I'm sad summer's finished, but, you know, it's, it's good to get back to work. So that's, that's what's happening. My wife and I are back at, back at work, and the kids will be off to school. And so we're trying to prepare, prepare them. Um, easier said than done. The kids are, they're, well, you know, they're resisting. So <laughs> we're not allowed to talk about school too much, but uh, but everybody's getting in, uh, getting excited, which is a good thing. So that's new, probably in your nation as well. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm starting in a new capacity right now. So I, I had started earlier in kind of a different capacity and role at my work, but I'm starting in an entirely new capacity right now, and so it's a bit of an adjustment. And I'm, I'm noticing the adjustment, I think, is going to take a little longer than I thought. It's good, and I'm excited, but it's definitely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why don't we get into the passage of the week, and that is Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, unless you have a different reference for the passage. That's where I came from, Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. Is that where you're at? Or are you, where I'm are in you 7, at? 13, but oh. is that what you mean? Am, Am I in 7? I'm in... I'm in, yeah, I am in 713. Okay. Wow. See, okay. I actually have done this a couple of times when I've written things down. And for some reason, when I look down and I'm looking at the verse number, the chapter number just doesn't resonate. I, I've turned the page and I'm like, I'm still in this chapter. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I see whenever I'm reading it out of, out of the Bible, yeah. I'll see the, sometimes I'll be reading out of, you know, say chapter 12, but I'll see 13 underneath it, uh-huh. as in the next chapter, yeah. and I'll think I'm reading 13. And I'll do reference, the, I'll be like, yeah. oh yeah, it, <laughs> that's, you know, that's Hebrews 13. They're like, uh-huh. nah, it's 12, and I'm like, oh dang it. I do the opposite, <laughs> Yeah, as we just saw here. <laughs> okay, so let's do Matthew seven thirteen, and that says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. And then verse 14 says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on this passage, Ben. Yeah, I, th- I think of the way that, that we interact with culture and, um, and we think about the way that we, well, that we process um, things. So th- that is, we tend to take on whatever is the... Uh, assumed truth or assumed reality very naturally where it's it almost comes without thinking we'll just kind kind of embrace the 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 popular thinking and i that's what it makes me think of is is that the the way is broad that leads to destruction the way is easy it is easy to to fit in or to want to fit in rather than to do the hard thing to to live with integrity and to live truthfully, to live with conviction that goes against the grain of, of the, the popular um, assumptions and, and ways, right? That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, I would pretty much be on the same page, literally yeah. and figuratively with you in the sense that I think what this passage is talking about is the hardships involved in staying on 
the path that leads to salvation. Yes. And we see that talked about, and I don't know what your theological viewpoint is on what some people would call eternal security. Um, I don't want to get into that. Mm. The Bible talks about different aspects of people falling away. And, you know, a person that believes in eternal security would say that that's what it looks like to us, you know, to God he knows, and he's always known the state of their salvation. But Hebrews talks about that. Mm. And we see the parable of the seed or the sower, depending upon how you want to look at it. And some people call it different things, but where some, some seed springs up really quickly. And it's, mm. it's the people that receive the word with joy, but then the hardships of life come along and they fall away, right? So when I look at this, even those that even start toward the path with the narrow gate, you know, they don't always stay on that path because it's a hard path. And I don't know what your experience has been, but I've seen people in my life that have seemingly left the faith and gone on the broad, easy path. And I think about this from an actual walking standpoint. I like to hike, and I've been on some hikes that are on broad, paved, easy paths. So they're broad, they're paved, they're easy paths. And that hike is way less laborious than some of the hikes that I've done, whether it's in like the mountains of Arizona, and I've done some hikes in West Virginia, in the mountains of West Virginia, where you're walking on rocks for hours, and the path is actually literally narrow. And so you don't have a lot of wiggle room as far as where you're going to step, and it's a hard hike. And when I think about that physically, I see the temptation of the broad and easy path on a real hike. When you think about life, the resistance that you receive on the narrow path from people around you, people that maybe ostracize you or they might make fun of you or you know they try to coax you from the narrow path. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? Wouldn't it just be easier yeah. if you did this? And I think that part of the reason why it's hard to stay on the narrow path is because it involves sacrifice. Mm. The way of the narrow path is the way of continual sacrifice. So, like when I think of that, I think take up your cross daily. Yeah, you know, die to yourself. Right, and that's hard. And so, I really think that's why we see when we're making our choices as we live out our lives, we see it's difficult to stay on the narrow path. And that's why I think we see so few people that find it and stay on that path. And that kind of leads into today's topic, which. I am just going to call the fly in the ointment because that's the verbiage in the passage. And I think it lines up with the choices that people make. So the passage is Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, it's actually the very first verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 that says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. That's actually the verse before that. And then the verse we want to look at is, as dead flies give perfume a bad smell. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So I want to focus in on that, as dead flies give perfume a bad smell. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So when I think about this, I've actually never had flies in my cologne because our cologne today comes in sealed bottles. And I don't know that I've ever even seen flies in perfume, but I've seen flies around other things. And there's just a repulsive nature to flies. When I'm eating, 
Sometimes my kids like to hold the screen door open and make it a sanctuary for flies inside the house. Mm -hmm. And so we'll get a couple flies in and I'll be eating. And flies really like my food for Mm -hmm. some reason. Mm -hmm. And when they come near my food, I don't like it. Or if I have like a beverage and the fly lands on the rim of the Uh, cup, immediately I need a new cup. Yeah, And I'm pretty... (laughs) pretty low maintenance about a lot of things but i recognize that flies when they land frequently vomit yeah, that's true where they land right, right so if they've landed on my food they've probably barfed on it yeah and i don't want to eat fly barf so i just i feel yeah. ugh, nasty yeah. about it so if you think about perfume or cologne has a good smell and if you have flies that land in it i'm guessing rotten flies don't smell good yeah probably. yeah and so it doesn't take much, it seems like. It doesn't take very many flies to make good perfume bad. Just a little bit. Just like a little bit of our folly in our decision-making can outweigh a lot of good decisions. So when I think of this, Tiger Woods comes to mind. I think I've brought him up in other another episode of the podcast. But Tiger Woods was a phenomenal and actually still is a relatively talented golf player despite physical injuries from bad decisions that he's made. But... He was a really phenomenal golf player early in his career. He was a phenom. Young guy, took over the golf scene, was just one of the best golfers possibly ever to live. But when I say Tiger Woods, the first thing you think of probably isn't golf. It's probably his series of affairs that he had, his failed marriage, and the scandal that surrounded his life. Then you think golf. Mm -hmm. Right, And it might not be the second thing you think because then he had alcoholism problems. He wrecked his vehicle and has hip injuries from that, which actually limit his golf game to some extent. So maybe the first two things you think aren't about his golf career. And if you think golf, you only think golfer. You don't think about all the major tournaments he won, some of his amazing games that he played, his incredibly low scores that he received on some of his matches. What you think of is the folly. So the folly outweighs the honor. And I think that's a prime example. So I wanted to hear what you had to say first before we kind of delved into this deeper. Well, I think of Michael Jackson too. Oh yeah. My goodness. What a talent. And mm-hmm. what, I mean, when people say his name, oh no. And yeah, but my kids love listening to the Jackson five and mm-hmm. what a voice he has. It's just it's so sad to see, you know, to see him just spiral. And you, you think like what decisions made that possible and, and and if he could go back you know if he could go back and and repair some of those would, would I, I wonder would they would mm-hmm. you know would, would they give given where they are right now would they have would they have done differently and I, I often wonder that um or would they have done the same thing do they do they love sin so much that that they can't that they they would that they can't see their lives without it yeah That's a a great thought. And I think about this too, where the decisions that they're making that lead to this folly, they didn't start. So Tiger Woods' decision to have an affair didn't start with the affair. It started before that when he started talking to the people around him, to the women around him that he knew he shouldn't be talking to. It started with that first conversation that crossed the line into, hello, fan, thank you for coming to the game, goodbye, And it crossed that line into where maybe he started being a little flirtatious or maybe he started extending the conversation beyond what it should have been and beyond the realm of that which is acceptable and that which would be pleasing to God and quite frankly, that which his wife would appreciate, right? He extended it past that. 
And that little decision right there, that moment that line was crossed, is where the road to folly, that broad path that leads to destruction, was stepped upon. And once he stepped upon that road to destruction, he walked further and further and continued to make more and more decisions instead of saying, you know what, I made a bad decision. That's the last one. I'm going to get right back on the path. I'm going to repent. I'm going to, which repent, by the way, I know you know this, but it means to turn away, like 180 degree turn. So instead of saying, I'm going to repent, I'm going to turn away from these actions and I'm going to stay on the narrow path. He kept walking down the broad path. And I'm not saying that I think that Tiger Woods was a Christian. I don't know if he was. I don't know if he was redeemed. But regardless, the choices that he made were those that led to the broad path. And it started with a single decision early on where he started talking to one of these ladies more than he should have and more than was appropriate. And then it continued. So I see you have something to say, so send it. Yeah, well, it's kind of crazy because it's, you read verse 12 of of chapter uh, seven of, of Matthew. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them for this is the law and the prophets. And then it goes, and Jesus continues, enter by the narrow gate. And it's so interesting to me because th- this whole thing is so counter-cultural. It, it's, it made me think of something I was reading, uh, Ben Shapiro wrote, just an article about niceness and about niceness not changing culture you know niceness can't can't fix this place it's going to be kindness or right or the golden rule do unto others as you would have done to your yourself it's going to be kindness isn't nice niceness is i mean this is just an expression we throw around but you do you Mm -hmm. without any sort of moral bearing it's you do what's right for you i'll do what's right for me and we'll exist but but I think what we have here is looking out for the other. And so enter by the narrow gate. What, what does this have to do with, with brotherhood? You know, it's going to mm-hmm. be a, a conviction, an acknowledgement of what is morally good and upright and true. And from there, being able to encourage others, get, get onto the, the, you know, the narrow road, get onto the path, get off that wide path. It's, it's going to be the opposite of, Uh niceness right it's going to be and it's going to feel weird but it's because i mean because objective truth is weird now um and 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 the 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 sort of relative subjective truth is is way is is dominant today Mm -hmm. so what i'm i guess what i'm what, what i'm saying is that 12 and 13 have a lot to do with each other what you wish others would do to you I want people to tell me when I'm heading off a cliff. I want them to stop me in the road and say, "There's a that road is going into a pit. Don't go that way." I don't want them to say at that point, "You do you." I want others mm-hmm. to treat me with 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 that type of love. And so, what that looks like is going to be go the narrow, go you know, go the hard way, and you will be rewarded for that. Get off the wide path that leads to destruction. Mm-hmm. Does that yeah, make sense? I agree a hundred percent. Actually, I have a practical example of this. So I was going into a meeting about a week ago and I had eaten before I left the house and I didn't look in the mirror. Mm. And I had a little something in my teeth. I don't know. I don't even know what it was. I don't remember this. And I just remember I was getting ready to go to the meeting and someone said, hey, get a little something in your teeth. And 
that was not nice, but it was kind. Yes. I really appreciated that because, you know, in the moment, is it a little embarrassing? I kind of, but you know, I would much rather know than go through a whole meeting talking to people face to face and them going, what does he have in his teeth? Yeah. Right. So the nice thing to do would be to ignore it and be like, oh, it's not really a problem. He'll figure it out eventually. Mm -hmm. I'll just pretend like it's not there. The kind thing and the loving your neighbor as yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, I would want to know if I have something in my teeth. Mm -hmm. Is it easy to tell someone they have something in their teeth? No, No, it's not. It's hard. Therefore, it's probably the right thing to do. The the easy thing is rarely the right thing to do. And I think we've covered that in a previous episode. But I think that, yeah, if someone is going down the broad path, if they've stepped off the narrow path, it's definitely, it's incumbent upon us to call them out on that in a loving way and to be like, listen, are the choices you're making, are they choices that are going to lead in a positive direction? Like I wonder, and I I don't know if this is the case, but I wonder if someone that had the capacity to speak into Tiger Woods' life and say, listen, I understand the temptation, but think about the decisions that you're about to make. Think about the road you're going down. Do you think this is going to have a positive impact on your image? Even if Tiger Woods doesn't care about what's morally right, Mm -hmm. he might, I don't know, but even if he didn't care about what was morally right, how's this going to impact your image? How's this going to impact your career? How's this going to impact your marriage? If you have children, how's this going to impact your children? Mm -hmm. How's this going to impact your relationship with your in-laws, with your extended family, with your family on your side? Mm -hmm. Think about all the repercussions that are stemming from the decisions you're making by going on the broad path. Mm -hmm. Do you want to stay on this path or do you want to get off and go on the narrow path? Is it going to be harder? Like, I think about this. We don't understand this. And Jordan Peterson talks about this where he talks about people that are faithful to their spouses because they have uh, only for the reason that they have no option to be unfaithful. They're not really awesome people Mm. because they don't have the option to be unfaithful. Mm. They're just faithful because they have to be. Hmm. The person that has options to be unfaithful and is still faithful, that's a faithful person. That's awesome because it involves sacrifice. And so he was saying like, most of us don't have a bus full of Swedish bikini models following us from hole to hole, right? Like I'm on the 17th hole. Hmm. Well, here comes this crew of ladies following you to the 18th Hmm. hole, right? Most of us don't have that. So I recognize like the temptation was probably extremely great. But the decision-making does not depend on the level of temptation, right? Like, just because the temptation was really strong doesn't mean that the decision that one makes should be any different than the morally and ethically right decision. But the temptation was strong, so he went on the broad path. When we're faced with decisions that might seem not as high level of temptation, they might, I don't know, but... What if these people are mad at me because I take a stand? What if my coworkers don't like me because I stand for what I believe is morally and ethically right? What if I lose friends? What if I have relations that don't like me anymore? What if it costs me money? Right, Things like that where I understand. I know people that compromised on their morals at various times in their lives. And I'm I'm not going to name names or anything. I'm just saying I know people that have compromised on their morals or their ethics for money. And it wasn't just so simple as, oh, I'm going to make more money. It was, I have a family to feed. I have, you know, I have to pay these bills. I need whatever. 
I'm told to do this. I know it's unethical, but I'm going to do it because I have to keep this job, hmm. right? Well, they step off the path onto the broad path. And you and I both know, I think, with enough life experience that these, these decisions we make, the more hard decisions you make that are ethically and morally right, the easier it becomes, the more momentum you gain. And then the morally wrong choices generally don't seem as appealing anymore. They don't have the same weight to them. Mm-hmm. But similarly, when you start compromising, you're out of integrity, you make a bad decision, the temptation to make another bad decision is much greater. Mm-hmm. So when I think about in Ecclesiastes also with this fly in the ointment, the fly got in the ointment, like the proverbial fly got in the ointment because of a bad decision that was made 10 steps ago. Mm-hmm. And then step 11, it's the fly in the ointment. But it all started with that one little step off of the path. That's why I think it's really important to evaluate the decisions that we make in light of the long term. In light of, in light of eternity, yes, we should do that. But I think a lot of times we think about God and God's pleasure or displeasure with a decision. We tend to be like, yeah, you know, God will forgive me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not a great thing, mm-hmm. but I think that we presume upon God's grace. Yes. And I think a much more effective strategy may be to say, what could be a bad outcome of this decision I'm making right now in one year or in five years or in six months? If I make this decision, what is the likelihood that I'm going to make another bad decision? Right. So if you know that you struggle with alcoholism and you're tempted to take a drink, if I take this drink, where might this lead me in one year? And it's probably not a great place. Does that mean you're going to go there? No. But does it mean you're more likely? Yes. Then why make the decision in the first place? Mm-hmm. Right? If Tiger Woods knew that flirting with that first girl he flirted with might lead to infidelity. And I'm sure he knew that. Mm-hmm. But if he, if he thought like, this could destroy my marriage. This could destroy my career. This could destroy me as a person. Right? It'd be great if he thought about God's pleasure or displeasure. Mm-hmm. But if he thought about in the short term and practical as well, I wonder if he would have made that decision. But a lot of times we make these decisions because we're like, what if, what if this person doesn't like me? What if my neighbor thinks I'm weird because I go to church? What if my neighbor thinks I'm weird because I witness to them, right? Or what if the people at the party, they think I'm weird because I leave when it starts getting rowdy? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to be canceled. If we compromise and start down that broad path, where's it going to lead us in two years, in three years? We're going to compromise again, most likely. And we're going to compromise again and again until we don't recognize that we're already a mile down the broad road leading to destruction. A lot of people that have drug addiction problems, I doubt they started out the very first time they took a drug saying, you know, I hope I'm hooked on this forever. Mm-hmm. You know, people that are, whatever addiction they have, gambling, whatever it is, I doubt they started out down that road saying, I think I'm going to be an addict. They made a decision And that decision is going to lead to folly. And by the way, it doesn't matter what other good things they do in their lives, right? Like right now, and I kind of hate to keep harping on Tiger Woods, but I think it's just one of those prime examples. Mm -hmm. If Tiger Woods started a charity to help struggling young golfers in urban areas get into the golf scene and people hear Tiger Woods, the Tiger Woods Foundation, what are they going to think? They're going to think Tiger Woods, the guy that cheated on his wife with a bunch of girls. Mm -hmm. It's not going to matter what good he does. 
It's not going to matter. All the honors he received before for all his performances doesn't matter. Mm. What they see is the fly in the ointment. Like, it doesn't matter how good the steak is. It could be 5A Wagyu beef, which is like $200 a pound. If that fly lands on it, man, that thing's, no. Mm. Uh-uh. I'm not eating that thing, right? I don't know about you, but even if it's a really good steak and I've got some flies landing on that thing, I don't yeah. think I'm going to eat it. Yeah. So the dishonor outweighs the honor. That little bit of folly can outweigh a lifetime of honor. So when we're making choices, I think it's really good to think, where will this lead me? In a positive or in a negative direction? If negative, why am I making it? If positive, then why don't I make it? Mm -hmm. Right? So it might, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but I think, I don't think it's that easy. Mm -hmm. I think it's that simple. It's a simple thing. Yes. Yeah. It's and what we're describing is prudence, mm -hmm. being able to see logically, just follow the logical ends of an action, and that's what I, I guess that's what we're encouraging here. Um, and I just want to warn the arrogant here. I want to warn the prideful because I th I think that pride here can be a big, big enemy. It can it can blind us to it. It tells us hey, this is you know, I, I'm a I'm a man. You know, mm -hmm. I can, and I can stand here and I can resist that temptation. Other mm -hmm. guys are weak. I'm strong. You know, it's like, and that's what I think, you know, a lot of these athletes or even political figures or, you know, for wealthy people, I think that it can go to your head and you can think that you are, you are beyond the struggles of the common man. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to warn, because I mean, my mentality has been that way. Um, it, I naturally am prone to not, not necessarily like the, the fear of what others will think. I go to, I'm unstoppable. I can't, and nothing can defeat me. As mm -hmm. stupid a thought as that <laughs> is, because like how many times do I, you know, do I have to fall on my face to learn mm -hmm. that lesson? But I am learning it. But I think that that is, that's a struggle for many men who are just, you know, just filled with pride and unwilling, not, maybe not un, un, unwilling, but just blind to their own well, their, their own weakness and, and infallibility. Yeah, and I used to be there, and I have, through God's grace, I'm at the point now where I just don't trust myself. Oh, yeah. And I think that's actually a great place to live. Yeah. And I, I can't remember, and I wish I would have written this down for our show notes, but there's a proverb I just read to my kids mm. that basically said the same thing, something to the effect of like the foolish person trusts in himself. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that's the exact quote, but it's very similar as a paraphrase. Yeah. And I think it's true because I don't trust myself. So I don't, and listen, I'm not saying I'm an awesome person. I make mistakes mm. and hopefully it, this doesn't lead to downfall at some point, mm. me saying this and then like <laughs> thinking I'm standing and then I fall, but I just don't trust myself. So I don't let myself do things that I think are going to lead to a bad direction. So I, I'll give you a very practical example, right? I am tempted sometimes on my food logging. Now I log everything I put in my body. I am tempted sometimes to be like, you know, what's, what's a little extra 50 calories over. Mm. But I know because I've messed up before in the past where I've been like, you know, what's an extra 50 calories. And guess what? The next day is what's an extra 500 calories. Mm -hmm. And the next day it's like, well, I mean, you know, what's an extra 750 calories. And it's a, it's a really fast slippery slope. And I don't care what anyone says. The slippery slope is real. Mm -hmm. People say it's the slippery slope fallacy. I think we're living 
<laughs> the slippery slope right now in 2023, right? We are uh, living yeah, the slippery slope. I'd say so, yeah. In, in 2012, it was, you know, we, the gay community is like, we just, we just want to be able to marry each other, right? Mm-hmm. And look at where we're at now, where they're literally announcing we're coming for your children. Mm-hmm. They're saying that, and they really are. And, and that was the warning 10 years ago. That yeah. was the warning. And they they're were like, like hey, no, not nah, slippery slope. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, no, we're not. We're not going to come for your kids. And now they're saying it. it just, I mean, I don't yeah, know yeah. how to say it other than they're brazenly saying yeah, it. Right. And we're like, oh, no, they're not. Yeah. No, they're not. They don't mean it. Mm-hmm. They do. And we're at where we are at because of the slippery slope. Mm-hmm. And it's real in all facets of life. So now... In, for like the past four years, I'm a tyrant to myself in almost any area. You know, like some days I don't feel like lifting. Do you know what I do? You gotta lift. I lift even when I hate it because I know I'm going to hate it worse if I stop. And if I miss a lift, I'm going to stop. Mm. And so, and then, you know what? The days that I enjoy my lift, I'm like, I'm so glad I lifted two weeks ago when I hated it. Right. Right, because you or, wouldn't. Be, yeah, you might. You might not be right. At that time. Yeah, <laughs> or whatever it is. No matter what it is, mm. I think we need to think in terms of where will this decision leave lead me? That extra fifty calories. Does it really matter? In the long in the long term, it does. If I keep making a bad decision in the short term, that night does fifty calories matter? <laughs> no, not at all. Mm-hmm. It's the principle of those fifty calories might lead to fifty thousand calories over the next couple of years. Mm which is going to lead to extra weight that I'm not going to like. I'm going to feel bad about. I'm going to be less confident. I'm going to be less healthy. And I'm most importantly going to be being a bad steward mm-hmm. of the body God gave me. Yeah. So like I'm a tyrant to myself. I just don't trust, trust myself at all, period. And I think that that's what, that's what I believe young men and I mean, I mean, you know, married men um, and even old, older men, I need, they need to hear this right here. And I think that, I, I think this has a lot to do with, with pornography right now mm-hmm. that, that's, uh, yeah that's i was thinking my, that was as well thinking, like and, and so it's it starts with just you think or you see it's fleeting glance or something mm-hmm. like that but you have to be a tyrant yes. to yourself and yes. not just be like i know where this ends it's no secret mm-hmm. i mean you see marriages fall lives fall apart. yes I mean, yeah. you see and you see men turn into monsters because yeah. of their addictions and it's just like you know the danger get rid of it get off TikTok or whatever apps you know you have mm-hmm. that you go to get them or to turn your phone over to your wife or your or your mom or whatever just or do yeah. anything do whatever you have to whatever do whatever it takes get it out of there so yeah. I think that yeah. uh, that's what I was thinking when I was actually thinking it. that as well and I think that that a lot of people will say well I don't want to do this or what will people think if I do this or whatever it is well you're not going to change. Mm. It's not going to change. Hope is not a strategy. Right. Hoping it's going to change someday. So like having firmly set boundaries and not compromising mm-hmm. on them is the way, whatever that looks like, you know, whether it's like I leave my phone here yeah. or what, you know, it, whether it's, I don't go on these apps or I don't go on these sites or whatever it is, or like whatever you have to arrange. I think it's important to be a tyrant yeah. to yourself so that you can stay accountable. Like, I can stay accountable, right? And I can, you know, give my kids my phone at any yeah, point yeah. in time yeah. because I know I am staying accountable and there's nothing on there right. that I'm going to be ashamed of because I'm a tyrant yeah. to myself. It's not because I'm an awesome person. Yeah. It's because, well, first of all, Christ redeemed me. Yes. Second of all, he's taught me to be a tyrant to myself. One of my favorite verses is Paul says, I think it's in Corinthians where he says, I 
beat Even my so, body yeah. and make it my slave. I think yes. it's First Corinthians nine, yeah. and he says that. And I I try to live like that in all aspects where I try to subject my flesh to myself through the power of Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm not always perfect at it, right? Mm-hmm. But in this aspect, you know, Christ has given me victory where I I can just be like, nope, nope, nope. These are the boundaries. I'm not passing these boundaries. And I set my boundaries pretty strictly. So it's not like, so that there's not even a hint of suggestion where I have to worry about it so that I know no matter what, you know, I'm avoiding the appearance of evil. And I know that I'm 20 steps away from where it's going to be a bad decision. Right, right. That's where I set the boundaries. Shut that thing down. Early. Yeah. Yeah. And if like, if Tiger Woods would have had the boundary set, like, I only talk to women who are not my wife, either with my wife with me or in a professional manner. Like, thank you for coming. Goodbye. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. If that would have been the boundary, which might sound tyrannical. Oh, well. Yeah. (laughs) Oh no. It's a tyrannical boundary that keeps him faithful to his wife. Faithful. And how about happy? Right. That's what I tell. I tell young people all the time that, that I'm discipling. You want any shot? At a, at a happy and healthy marriage and, you know, uh, family in mm-hmm. the future. You want any shot of that? Get rid of that pornography mm-hmm. addiction now. Like, kick it. Now, mm-hmm. I know there's a, a, obviously other sins that you're going to struggle with, but, man, that is a great one and mm-hmm. a, a, a real foe that, that opposes young men today. But Yeah, and I think we need to have an episode on this, but I'll just, I'll just say this really straightforward and very bluntly. I think pornography is for losers. Mm. I really do. And I mean that with all my heart. Yeah. And if that makes people feel bad, good. Yeah. Good. Because that it's weakness. Yeah. It is weakness. Cowardice even. You you won't go and talk to a woman. Well, that's that's, that's where I'm, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Like it's, it's weak because it's avoidance of real women. It's avoidance of a real relationship with, with a real woman. And so that's why I think it's for losers Yeah, because winners conquer their fear. Yeah. Losers give in to their fear. That's just period. It's and, for losers. And what woman, if they knew, you mm-hmm. know, if they knew that you, you know, this was your habit, what woman mm-hmm. would want you? So it's uh-huh. like none. <laughs> right. So be the man that, that the woman you want wants you to be. Right. <laughs> be and be that man. Yeah. You know? And even if you think about like, just from like men, if you know, a dude is, having an addiction in that mm. aspect, like in that way, in that realm, what's your level of respect yeah, right. for that man? It's very low. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and for me, the, like to, it boils down to, I would look at a person that is in that addiction as someone that's too weak to either get help or help themselves. Mm. And I'm not saying it's easy. No, it's a battle, but it's, it's that simple. And so, you know, are women going to respect a man that's struggling with addiction? No. Are men going to respect a man that's in the throes of addiction to that? No. Are you going to respect yourself? Mm-hmm. No. Right? Yeah. But but it's so hard. Well, of course it's going to be yeah. hard. Right? Right. Good. God will help you through it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not supposed to be easy. Yeah. Right? It's the narrow mm-hmm. road. That's right. Yeah. It's narrow and it's hard, and only if you find it. That's why it's the narrow road. If you know, this just is an ease rant for a minute. Everything I think, I really believe this. Everything in life that is good is hard, yeah. right? Like, be a good dad. 
That's hard. Mm-hmm. It's actually hard to be a good dad, oh, yeah. be a good husband. Yeah. That's hard. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's hard. Be disciplined with your body. That's hard. Build your body. That's hard. Build your mind. That's hard. Right? Follow Christ. That's hard. Anything that is worthwhile is hard. It's not supposed to be easy. What victory is there in doing something that's easy? Almost none. Like, what pride do you take in doing something that's easy? Almost none. That's right. But when you make the hard decisions and live a life of struggle in a victorious struggle, right? Where you're fighting sin and through Christ you have victory, right? You're winning. And it's hard, that's fulfilling. When it's hard to love your kids the way that you should and through Christ's power you do, that's fulfilling. When it's hard to love others and you do, when it's hard to make a choice that's gonna, like people are gonna hate you for it, but it's the morally right choice where like, also you don't go to the party where everyone's getting drunk and all your, all your friends, which why are they your friends anyway, <laughs> right? All of your friends are gonna hate you. That might be a hard decision. It really might be. Good. That means it's worthwhile. Mm. And by making those hard decisions and racking up victories, you're going to respect yourself more. And guess what? Other people are going to respect you and they're going to look to you like, hey, what's you've changed. What's different in your life? Well, let me tell you, God gave me victory over this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you've got a chance to witness. Right. Now you've got a chance to be a kingdom builder, to be working for God's kingdom. That's awesome. But it only comes through submitting to Christ, relying on him, and fighting, like actually fighting against sin. Hmm. Whatever the sin is. All of it. So I want to just get a yeah, parting reflection. Yeah, I mean, in this this battle, I mean, whatever it is, and whatever sin that has, has caused you to leave the narrow way, I mean, this is wor- this battle is worthy to fight. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and to to take on with all of your heart, mind, and strength. This is, I mean, this is the one to fight, the, the one that's right in front of you. And others will come, but you need to re- be reminded that we are on the road to the celestial city where Christ is king, and there is all goodness and all joy. I mean, that, that, that's incredible, the promise that we have uh, that will be fulfilled in, in Christ one day. We will fight to get there. And mm-hmm. if you're not fighting to get there, well, come on, man. Like, I mean, like, are you really going there? What That's, direction are you? Right? Yes. <laughs> are you going to get there if yeah. you're not fighting? We should yeah. do a section on, or a, um, a segment on the Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, we should. I love that. Maybe book. in a couple episodes we'll yeah. do a Pilgrim's Progress and a John Bunyan. He was a cool oh, dude. Yeah. Heck yeah. Carrying an anvil from town to town as a blacksmith. I don't know if you know that. He literally carried his anvil and walked from town to town. Just the man. I know, right? So basically... What it boils down to is folly outweighs good. Mm. Whatever good you do in your life, if you mess up and it's an attention-getting mess up, it's going to color everything that you've done. Now, will Christ forgive you? Yeah. Can you seek forgiveness in him? Yes. But that's not going to undo the damage to whatever it is you're trying to do, whatever ministry you're involved in, whatever outreach you're involved in. It's it's not going to change the fallout from bad decision-making. And you can't say, I didn't know. Hmm. It's not going to matter. So making the hard decisions, being a tyrant with yourself is important. And also thinking before you act, like where is this decision going to take me? Somewhere good? Okay. 
somewhere bad, then why am I even entertaining it? Don't even think about it. Just table it. It's done. Don't ruminate on it because you're going to go nowhere good. So to me, that's the crux of the issue here is staying on the narrow path and not messing up in a big way that affects your witness, your testimony, the ministries you're involved in, the mentorships you have, because it's going to affect those things. And that's not going to bring glory to God. And our purpose is to bring glory to him. And I think you said it, the, the mentorship piece. If you if you don't have anybody that you that you can go to for this, fine. I mean, you gotta find somebody who will who will speak that, who will care about you enough to tell you this this difficult thing. You know, mm-hmm. hey, you gotta correct this. Mm-hmm. Somebody who you respect and who you listen to, find that person. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. So yeah, great comments, Ben. I want to thank you all for listening and thank you for just the reviews that you've been leaving. If you like the show, just feel free to subscribe and share it with other people. And if you would leave a written review, that'd be awesome to help us just gain a little more traction. And if you have comments or questions, reach out to info at headofnations.com. And if you'd like to support the show, feel free to go to headofnations.com and click the support tab. And as always, remember that we are the head of our nations. So let's go live like it. Until next time.